Welcome to the Cosmos in You podcast, where we interview scientists, philosophers, and leading thinkers to discuss the nature of our reality and the impact it has on our daily lives. Today, I'm really excited to bring you Jonas Elrod, who is a writer, director, and producer for television and film. His documentary, Wake Up, chronicled his search for understanding and deeper meaning after undergoing a crazy spiritual awakening. I loved this film. The film opened at South by Southwest Film Festival and would go on to become the premiere episode for Oprah Winfrey's award-winning Super Soul Sunday. He then went on to create and star in the series In Deep Shift with Jonas Elrod for the Oprah Winfrey Network. It was incredible show. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend taking a look online. Uh, We get into so much in this episode. This is a very cool guy um, who has so much to share, so many stories, and he just communicates things in a way that not many other people do, which I think is a real, real gift. Um, Some of the things we talk about are the three steps to spiritual transformation, the breakdown that Jonas had and how that led to his own transformation, what he's learned from documenting people's stories through film and TV, and how to do, quote, the work without it being a painful process. And all the while, we have a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. Um, So without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome, Jonas. Hi, how you doing? Thanks so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, um, just to give the audience some context of how we know each other, I saw your documentary called Wake Up um, a few years back and was absolutely blown away by this film. Um, it, it impacted me very deeply and probably was a lot of the inspiration for me to start this as it really helped start me on my path. So um, thank you for the work that you've been doing. Oh, that's really, really sweet to hear. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so what I would love is for you to tell everybody a bit about your background, your story, your journey, and what brought you to where you are today. Okay. Um, it, it's funny because Wake Up came out five years ago, and I made, it took me years to put it together, and I still to this day get sometimes self-conscious talking about it, but I will, I will do my best. So um, about 10, 11 years ago, I had what's been explained to me as a uh, spontaneous awakening or spontaneous psychic awakening, and I I really don't like the word psychic, um, where one night I was on my first documentary film. I was getting ready to film the finale, and I was in a hotel room in San Francisco, and I started seeing and hearing things that most people don't see and hear. I uh, started seeing energies and spirits and um, odd geometry and started hearing voices. So that was the night before my big, uh, shoot the next day. And to say it scared me would be an understatement. So, um, it's been explained to me that I had some kind of awakening or opening or my third eye activated. I didn't know any of this stuff at the time. I'm, uh, from a small southern town out of Georgia. So hearing about chakras and energies and non-local consciousness and whatnot was all very, very new to me. Um, and what had happened that night was these, I, I call them spirits, came to me and told me to expose what was happening to me. 
And in time, I'm a very slow learner. I realized they meant to document what was happening to me. And so I spent years trying to figure out this new ability, which I call a gift curse. Not anymore, but certainly through the, uh, the beginning to try to figure out what's going on. Did I have a brain tumor with synapses in my brain going sideways? Um, you know, was this schizophrenia? Was this some kind of weird psychic awakening? You know, at the time, I didn't even buy into psychics or any of this stuff. I always thought it was kind of silly. But sure enough, from that day, it was February 13th, uh, 10 years ago, I started seeing people's auras. I started having premonitory dreams. I started knowing things I should know. Um, and so me and my girlfriend at the time uh, went around the country trying to figure out what the hell was happening. So I did the kind of, as my girlfriend, but now wife calls it the Dr. House procedures where I had an MRI and a psychological evaluation. And when I didn't get answers there, I kind of got off the beaten path and started looking uh, to fringe scientists, mystics, that sort of thing. And so that was, that's the movie wake up. I spent years trying to figure out what this meant and not to spoil it, but things all land in its right place as life often does. And that's kind of my story. Yeah. And and so to go back to the beginning of the film, you had gone through a loss of your friend. Was it, I can't remember, was it right right before or right after? There was. Yeah, we, there's a couple time jumps in the film because it's, it was challenging to tell this in a linear fashion. But what had happened was I started having these experiences. And my best friend, his name was Rob Brees. And he was kind of the scientist of the group of us. There were all a bunch of jaded punk rockers at the time, but he was science-based. And so I would tell him about all these experiences I would have. He was my go-to. I wouldn't tell anyone else. I was scared shitless that anyone would want to lock me up or get me on hardcore medication. And so what had happened was I had a couple premonitions about Rob. And then one day he came, he was coming to meet me on his Ducati motorcycle. He got in a wreck and he died. So in a really tragic, insane, beautiful way, Rob proved to me without a doubt that what was happening to me was real. Uh, he, he showed me that these premonitions I were having was real. I didn't quite understand at the time. And then at his funeral, I met my future wife, Mara, who was my girlfriend in the film. And it's funny, I guess architectural speak, I mean, archetypes, I'm the believer because I'm having these experiences. She's skeptical and, and needless to say scared because uh, she's not having them. She's trying to figure out what the hell's going on with me. You know, we get together and it should be this honeymoon period, but I'm talking about all this crazy stuff that she can't see. So right. I can see a little bit of comedy. Well, I can see a lot of comedy in it now, but at the time it was no laughing matter. Oh my gosh. And and I remember the moment in Wake Up where I believe you guys are in Santa Fe and there's that moment at, is it at Joan Halifax's? Um, yeah. Right. And um, will you walk us through that scene where, where um, your wife has that realization about her name and, and her role in all of this? Yeah, I mean, this is given a little bit away, but is it okay? All right. Well, no, no, it, it's totally fine. But we, my girlfriend, I, I can see it now. Like, God bless her. I mean, she had a lot to take on, and I thought it was all about me. I had a lot to take on as well, because my concern was never is this real after time, especially after Rob passed and showed me that this there was a dueling banjos cause and effect that I can trust what's happening. My concern was always how the hell do I turn this off. Because this was going on right around when the economy was collapsing. I was in the Lower East Side in New York. There's a lot of energy going on. So it was challenging. 
uh, just to navigate. Hell, it's challenging to navigate Ikea, much less <laughs> New York, when you have all these senses <laughs> blasting through. But, um, you know, Mara and I went on this journey to understand what this all means. And what I learned was to kind of dispense with the phenomenon because I was very, I'm going to say high. There was a lot of phenomenon, and I would get high on it. And a lot of these teachers, these real badasses, would say, dude, that's cool. You have these experiences, that's cute. You have to dispense with that because you're going to get lost in the woods. I didn't know what that meant because maybe I had a freshman approach. And to give myself a little bit of credit, when you're kind of open up to this other world, it is distracting. Um, but all these old teachers in the beginning helped me get out of freshman year of high school <laughs> and to kind of see in a bigger picture. Um, but my my girlfriend at the time understood her role in this as well by her namesake. I don't want to give it all away, but we were in a, a Buddhist monastery, and she understood that she had just as big a role to play in my development as I did with hers. Um, and, it, yeah, it was just uh, – it's pretty wild to look at in hindsight. Like, everything landed perfectly. Um, but, it, you know, to this day, it, it's been a really wild ride for us. Uh, yeah, I can imagine it, uh, it, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you actually didn't give away the scene for everybody to go see it. It really is such a power. I was in tears in, in watching that scene. I mean, it was really phenomenal. Um, to Thank this, you. yeah, to this it, today, are you still able? Do you still have the same um, experiences and visions? And, and what is that gift curse like today? Um, it's not as. I mean. What I did finally learn was to dispense with a phenomenon. Like, I'm not a psychic. I'm not a healer. Um, I like to think, and maybe they'll show me differently, that my role is just to get out information or experiences with emotion. Because I learn from watching other people navigate. Like, I'm not good at reading a book. I mean, that's like an idiot. I can read books, but like, I, <laughs> I don't like words. No, but for me, the emotion is what helps me. And when I see other people take on emotional journeys... I mean, I pay attention. How does how do they navigate that? Um, and for me, I think that I'm just someone to get out this kind of information. So I don't. I'm not. I don't claim to be psychic or a healer or astral projectionist. Is this stuff real? Absolutely. Um, my abilities aren't as honed as they once were. They're not as strong. I learned meditation, which helped me ground all of this. And boy, I needed grounding. Um, and so I open it up when appropriately when it's appropriate, but I don't do that a lot. Um, because you know, once you understand that the swimming pool doesn't have a bottom to it, <laughs> you know, I, right. I will dive in pretty deep and really for me, um, you know, it's funny and you may see this too. And I've noticed this since I moved to California, being the sky with these abilities or under the moniker or spiritual is not a real thing to me. Um, and what I'm trying to do is be as authentic and real as I can with this and I think early on, maybe due to spiritual immaturity or being the freshman year of high school, is th this will become my identity, this outside thing. And what I needed to learn how to do, and God, the universe, spirit, very patient with me because I'm a slow learner, is learn how to integrate this as an everyday part of who I am. It's like you don't, you don't like name check it, you know? It's like you meet someone's like, hey, Suzanne, how are you? Yeah. Uh, I'm spiritual. And you're like, <laughs> why are you telling me that, dude? You know, it's like, let's just have a beer and eat some barbecue. Right, right. So for me, it's really trying to learn what I'm here to do to clean up my act and be as authentic and real as I can. That sounds kind of boring <laughs> to some of these insane psychic experiences and these portals and all this <laughs> other stuff. Yeah, it's real, but, you know, I don't really want to be lost in that world. 
I think I got the point. Yep. <laughs> I think. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that we don't survive death. There's no doubt in my mind that God, source, whatever you want to call, that is real in spirit. But uh, as far as the other stuff, uh, I guess I've taken a long way around the bend. I've learned to tone it down, and I only use it when I feel appropriate. But in the beginning, I had no off-on switch. I had no dimmer for the lights. It was just uh, messy. But, you know, they must have a sense of humor over there or at least want some entertainment because I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure they got a couple <laughs> chuckles out of me running around uh, New York with this stuff. <laughs> well, it's, you know, you hear a lot of times um, metaphors for this. And, and one of the metaphors I hear is that we are like a receiver and it's like, you know, like a c- computer, you turn the Wi-Fi on or off, right? And so it, the signal is always there. It's just do we have the Wi-Fi turned on or do we have it turned off? Right. And so for you, that's what it, it's not that it's, it's not, it's not that it doesn't exist for you, that ability to tune into it, but you have, as you said, the dimmer you have turned, you have realized how to turn it on and turn it off. Right. I, I love that uh, metaphor. That made a lot of sense when that was explained to me, I guess eight years ago is we all have this access. So when we start thinking, Oh, that doesn't exist. Or I wish I had that ability. I'm, hard. I mean, I, I know we're all hardwired to have this. So actually I listen to my wife a lot. If we go out and I live in Hollywood, so you, you get some really interesting cats out here. Um, she can just feel it. Like if we get in a situation, like how that guy feel, how that girl feel, I'll go off of that. We all have this thing. I just, what's funny to me is I never bought into any of this stuff as an angry 20 year old, mm-hmm. angry 30 year old. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Because every psychic, you know, they always say the same stuff. They're hanging out with someone famous on the other side. It's like, dude, you haven't graduated high school with your maturity. But, you know, uh, they, they show me it's all indeed very real. But I love that analogy that you give. I mean, we all have this. It's just if you're tuned in or not. And you don't have to be spiritual to be tuned into this. I mean, say what you want, uh, but you think it's just for a bunch of liberals that have, you know, that are kind of artsy. I mean, don't think the most... Stu- the strongest businessmen on our planet are incredibly intuitive. Yes. Donald Trump, as hilarious as he is every night on the news, he's incredibly intuitive. He has to be. So anyway. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I think that's the other part is, um, is that you don't need science to prove something that you've already experienced. Right. right? And in, in some way, everybody has had some weird experience or even on a daily basis, right, of um, I didn't get a good vibe from that person or, you know, whatever it is, that that is something. That's a low Wi-Fi signal, right? That's one bar. That's what that is. I, I couldn't <laughs> agree more. And that was some of these people, like we had hedge fund investors that kind of helped bring Wake Up to Life. They were just kind of tilting their head looking at me. And I probably fit some kind of archetype that they need to place me in. You know, I, I look like I'm probably in a band. So, you know, like, oh, well, you know, this and the other. But everyone has this. Everyone's had some kind of weird deja vu, some kind of odd premonitory dream, you know, before call waiting. So this will date us uh, or date me. It's like, oh, I knew someone was going to call. We all had this on some level. Um, and for me, it's, you know, for me, this is proven without a doubt that God is real or source is real. Whatever, I don't want to get into nomenclature or religious debates. That's just kind of silly to me. But, And I have no doubt whatsoever that we survived death. Everything else, yeah, I have no idea. But I can tell you that, that that's not a belief anymore. That's an experience which has left to not, led to knowledge, and that's kind of how I roll with it now. And how has that knowledge sh- shaped how you deal with um, both grief in losing someone— um, 
fear of losing someone and then uh, death on your own? What is your perspective on all of it now that you know that consciousness survives death? Susanna, you are absolutely swinging for the fences. I mean, we've <laughs> you're been just talking go for it, right? <laughs> 20 minutes and you're asking me the biggest question. I mean, don't think that I have any answers, but all jokes aside, I mean, my, my best friend Rob passed and he showed me a lot on that you do survive. And every now and then Rob comes to visit. His mother, Nina, who's in the film, who was like a second mother to me, she passed as well after we made the film. And I never... I never really mourned her and I was incredibly close to her, but I know that she wanted to be with her son and I know that I will see her again. We'll all get back together. You know, so in a weird way, this is, we think this is the thing we're, we're just visiting this piece of dust in an ever expanding galaxy. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying I'm above fear or I'm above grief. I mean, Holy smokes, you're going to have to tie me to the radiator. Um, when certain people pass, it's going to be insanely hard for me to deal with, but I do know, I don't think, I do know that we survive and I do know we'll all come back together again. So, you know, for all the, what seemed like divine madness that wake up, open up for me, having that knowledge, I don't believe having that knowledge has been worth every, every second of it. Um, and I'm just conscious of the, how much time we have down here to make the most of it. I think in my twenties as an angry punk or wannabe punk rocker, I probably fell a lot in the victim consciousness. Uh, I was probably a miserable, angry guy. I probably wasn't the life of the party. And um, I definitely feel like more of a cheerleader for humanity now. And, it, you know, even if I can look at someone and think, ah, oh, guy's a complete a-hole, I can at least respect, understand that he's down here or she's down here for a similar reason than I am. And it's brave to be in the body, man. I mean, it's 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 yeah. really challenging down here. If you're in the body, you've done something right, and you've earned my respect. Now, I got to remember that when I get caught off in traffic, <laughs> someone gives me the finger. But ultimately, I can go into prayer and meditation and go, look, they're down here for the same reason I am, and there is a mutual respect. I mean, not a mutual, but there's certainly a respect that comes with that. Yeah, baseline that respect. Yeah, totally, it totally makes flower? sense. Okay. No, it totally does. And, you know, um, uh, another person we interviewed, Karen Henson Jones, who um, wrote the book Heart of Miracles, had a near-death experience, and she experienced heart failure at age thirty, and just a really incredible story. And, and when I was talking to her about how she feels about death now, she said, "Well, you know, um, similar to what you said, is that we have no idea how long we're going to be here." And so sh she said to make preparations. And I said, "Well, what does that mean?" And she said, "Well." Um, get yourself right. Get right with the people you need to be right with. Um, be who you want to be. You know, start now. It's that that there isn't. You know, I always think about this. It's not as if we come and when we're born, we sign a contract like, okay, I will live until age ninety, and everyone else around me will also live till age ninety or hundred, and there we go. I get that. Just no one gets out of here alive. We don't know when our time's up. That's just the way it is. And so, to to live in that way of um, it starts literally right now to start living that way, right? Oh, God bless. Did she have a, I mean, what, what's her name again? Karen Henson Jones. Is that podcast out now? Um, it is out now. Yeah, I'll I send it to check, this. check it uh, out. Yeah. Now, how was her experience over there? Um, so her near-death experience was she went to the other side. It was, um, as I said, she had a heart failure and... Um, what she she had interestingly uh, a religious experience where she uh, Jesus's face came to her in that experience, um, but she was also told that it wasn't her time to go, 
Um, and so she then went on this whole journey after where she then went to India, she went to Israel. And so her book covers this whole journey and, you know, sort of similar prior to this happening, she went to Cornell, she went to London business school, she worked in finance. (laughs) She was like, you know, this just, none of this was any part of her world at all. Right. (laughs) Right. None of it. So similar to you, she had a different background, but similar to you, this was not something she was prepared for or leaning towards or anything. And then it just shook her whole world up. Um, And so then she went on this journey to go explore all of this um, and then wrote a book about it. It's really fascinating. And she's a great writer as well. So yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Wow. That Um, sounds great. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So to shift gears a bit, um, I'd love to move into your show on the Oprah Network, um, In Deep Shift, for those of you who have not heard of it. Um, As I said, it was on the Oprah Network and you had, I think, nine episodes. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. Um, and you just wrapped up season one. I did. Um, okay, so I made Wake Up, and I was fairly certain it was career suicide. I mean, I was a director <laughs> by trade. I, I, did, I did commercials. I was working my first doc, and then I seemingly lose my mind and pull this doc together and get it done. I was certain that was it. So I was thinking maybe I should become a shoe cobbler. I'm done. Uh, divinely, uh, Oprah Winfrey saw the film. She really dug it. She had me um, as her first guest on Super Soul Sunday. And we had a nice conversation about we both had similar intents. We want to bring out spiritually based material. Um, But what does that look like? Now, honestly, I didn't even like to say spiritually based material because it's not a thing that I think of. I I don't sit around my wife going, how can we become more spiritual? It's no. How can we become more authentic? How can we get more in alignment? Whatever the case is. Um, And I'm kind of stuck on that. And I think maybe it's the climate of L.A., Everyone says they're spiritual, and I, it doesn't, I don't understand that. Like, it's like being in the South and hearing, I'm not a racist, or I'm not sexist, or I'm not, like, you know what I mean? So it, it's a strange thing, but anyway, not to go off on a sidetrack, Oprah and I decided... <laughs> we could talk about it. I lived in L.A. for a while. We could talk about L.A. For oh, my God. No, I, I'm still getting <laughs> used to the climate out here, so pardon the tangent. But yeah. we both had a similar tent. We want to bring out spiritually-based content. And what is it? Not religious, spiritual, because... I know there's a lot of people looking for answers. I'm still looking for answers. So we came up with a show called In Deep Shift with Jonas Elrod, and we kind of took Wake Up as a little bit of a template. And I wanted to show, like, if I was some 20-year-old and I watched Wake Up, I think that would be somewhat helpful to me. And so I wanted to take other people's stories on what does a breakdown look like, the breakthrough, and the integration. And to show me on an emotional level what it looks like to walk the spiritual path. Like ones and zeros ain't going to do it for me. I need to see the emotion behind it because that helps it stick for me. And so we went into production. We did nine episodes um, and we were it was uh, a really great success and it was really challenging. But, you know, we got to look at what do these breakdowns look like? And in my experience, I think people get on the spiritual path in a couple of ways. One may be through pain or suffering. One may be in a grace, and one may be remembrance or chance. I think some people show up in the body, and they have a remembrance of what it's like. And then the woman, Karen, you're talking about, I mean, her, how her breakdown was a breakthrough. If you die and meet JC, that's yeah. going to shift your life, right? <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> I mean, how dense are you going to be? Um, but it, it doesn't always have to look like that. But uh, we showcased nine stories, and uh, it certainly was life-changing for me. And I don't use that phrase lightly. And within within the show, just to go over, for those who haven't seen it, well, two things. Number one is that they can go online um, 
I mean, if you just do a Google in deep shift, and that's S-H-I-F-T, not the other word, um, right? Um, they can see at least parts or full episodes online. Right. I'm trying to get it where they release the episodes, um, you know, because people write me often. Uh, you can more than happy go on Twitter and ask to see the episodes uh, to own TV and uh, just, hey, we'd love to see these episodes. So I'm hoping they'll be more readily available. But this is a program we were so fortunate enough uh, was behind uh, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. So she kind of she did the interview and then we kind of did the other portion of it. Um, and we just interview people from all walks of life and to show what it looks like a breakdown or breakthrough. And then the integration, that wasn't some, that's something I didn't understand until later on. Like you can have this burning bush moment, right? This near-death experience, a breakup of a marriage, the win the lottery. But if you don't start doing internal work, then it's just going to be this really cool story that you tell but doesn't have any juice to it. I hope that makes sense. But for me, I understand certain principles. But unless I start working on myself, doing some some sort of therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it doesn't have to be talk therapy. It can be yoga meditation, whatever it is, that we really want to bring out other ways to skin the cat, so to speak. And so for one person, we, we did a story on a veteran who had PTSD. We introduced him. We introduced uh, equine therapy, which is working with horses to try to work out some of his hypervigilance. Um, and so that was part of the, the show as well, as we want to show there's other ways to heal, but you got to get off your ass and do something about it. You're not in my experience, and I don't mean any disrespect, prayer meditation is great, but sometimes it takes more. You have to step into it more than that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I know I didn't offend anybody, but like, you no. know, yeah, pray, but you, you, you got to put something in motion. Because the one thing I saw when I look at my parents' generation, you know, some of it still seems like there's still a lot of pain. And when I'm 60, I want to have a blast. I want to be laughing my whole way through this damn thing, not having the same wounds I had at 30. So... That was part of the incentive for the show as well. Well, you know, on that point, um, I think about this a lot, this idea of um, your conscious versus your subconscious thoughts and that oftentimes trauma, pain, emotional pain is held in our subconscious and that you can't use your conscious thoughts or think your way to access it. And so oftentimes it does have to be, and I don't know any other way to say it, the weird things or healing ways like equine through an animal or through, um, you know, through moving your body or, you know, it has to be accessed through a different form than you're just thinking about it. Um, and, and in my experience, I, I've seen that that's where a lot of people get stuck is that it, they just, they try one form, it's through your thoughts and it, it, there's other ways. I could not agree more. And I like how that you were saying, yeah, you're not going to be able to think your way through it, you know? I mean, like, and for me, I try to be in control at times, especially since I'll wake up thing, like that pendulum swung, so I have to be in control. But thinking my ass to a situation is not going to get me the answers I need. And so, I mean, you can go to the gym and really work out hard and listen to some loud music. That can help shift it where you, that thought can penetrate from the subconscious to the conscious. You can meditate. You can, it's not my thing, but you can dream journal. I mean, it's going to come out. But I don't necessarily know if thinking your way through is always going to happen that way. Yeah. Now, within each um, story you told in Deep Shift in the shows, there were um, 
three things that you talked about in terms of spiritual transformation. Number one was breakdown. Number two was breakthrough. And number three was integration. So I'd love to go through each one of them. Um, In number one, breakdown, you talked about it being an invitation is what you called it. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, I think a lot of people get I think a lot of people have invitations taps on the shoulder all the time and that was a little bit what I meant with the title wake up from the film is me having an experience when I started questioning my reality my sanity uh what's going on was a huge wake-up call for me Mm -hmm. it shifted everything I thought I knew and boy I was a very stubborn arrogant young know-it-all and when this happened it shattered everything um it started making me look into a bigger picture and so my opinion is that breakdown experiences can happen which shatter your reality and make you look at bigger make you start asking bigger questions. Now, I don't think that you have to have a breakdown to have this big spiritual breakthrough by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they are common. And death, to be really frank, is one of the biggest ones. When uh, the death of a loved one happens, I normally start asking big questions. What the hell does this mean? Where do they go? Am I going to see them again? I mean, it's it's as intense as it gets, but I don't. I think sometimes saying good and bad is a sometimes a shortcut to thinking. And look, when I'm in the emotional body and things are going off, I don't want to hear talk that way. To be really frank with you, but you know, he's like you and your platitudes, kiss my, you know, get down the street. But I I definitely think breakdowns are an invitation. Um, I think for me, my breakdown was documented in Wake Up. But you don't have to have one to have a breakthrough. I think other people just have a remembrance. You know, they remember a bigger picture. And I think, or, you know, sometimes you just need a reminder. Uh, but I get, I'm from the South, so I, I sometimes tread lightly. I don't want this to be misconstrued saying, oh, is God punishing someone because they don't remember, so they're going to make terrible things happen? Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. That's crazy <laughs> talk to me. Listen, I was raised Southern Baptist, so yeah. I, I have to get that programming out. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think it, breakdowns are about loss. It doesn't have to be death. It could be loss of a career, identity, hell, I don't know, a lottery ticket. <laughs> but it's about loss, and it, I think you start asking big boy, big girl questions. Like, what does this mean? Because things aren't going completely 100% like I thought they would. Yeah, it's like Oprah always says, it starts with a, sh- it starts with a whisper, then a shout, then a two-by-four to the head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So then, okay, so then step, so you have the breakdown. Then step two is the breakthrough. How do we know when we're having the breakthrough? That's that's a great question. Um, One, that's the word I hear done around the campfire a lot. You're not going to have 15 breakthroughs in a week. You know, Mm -hmm. they they come when they come. And it's kind of like, for me, it's like knowing when you're in love. Like when I met my girlfriend, I didn't need to ask anyone. I just knew. And sometimes they're very subtle. It's not always Cape Canaveral fireworks and like a bunch of dancing ice skaters come out. Sometimes it's very subtle. It doesn't have to be this huge, I died, met Jesus, things are cool, I came back in the body. Sometimes it's just subtle. Maybe it's just an awareness like, oh, wow, all this nonsense with my dad when I was a kid happened because it taught me this. It could be something as simple as that. But for me, breakthroughs are generally an understanding of all the things that happen to get you to the point that you are. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they can get bigger. They can be these big spiritual things. And sometimes they're a little bit of both. But for me, staying open, not trying to judge the situation and just letting it come through is you generally know when it happens. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, there's this really 
um, the great story on, um, I heard it on Tim Ferriss's um, podcast, <clears throat> the guy who wrote For Our Work Week and, and other books. But anyway, he told a story of uh, Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison, um, he was at home and he got word that his lab was on fire. And this is all a true story. And so he runs down to... Um, where his lab is, and the whole thing is it's in crazy fire because he had so many chemicals in there. So it was all these wild colors. And he was with his son. And he turns to his son and said, um, go get your sister and mother. They'll never see another fire like this in their lives. And apparently that day he had lost what was today would be equated to $200 million worth of research and um, you know, whatever was in there. Um, but they used the term amor fati, love your fate, because he in that moment knew that getting angry, getting um, freaking out, whatever it was, was not going to serve in any way. Um, and so, I mean, now this is a very enlightened way of being, but I, I think about that story all of the time to be able to stand there and see your life's work up in flames and to say, um, get the family, they'll never see a fire like this again in their lives. Like, wow. I mean, that's um, knowing, he knew that breakthrough was going to come, right, of why it ended up happening. No, that's fantastic. I've never heard that. I, I've always kind of, yeah, that's that's baller. That's baller. Yeah, <laughs> baller. Like that. <laughs> I mean, I'll try to, I'll try to get up on that level. No, I've always, uh, I've always been a Tesla man. So it's nice to hear a really great Edison story. Right? That's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go to number three, step three, which is integration. Now, how do we make sure that we integrate what happens? So let's say in our audience right now, people are listening and um, let's say they've had the breakthrough, the breakdown, they have the breakthrough. Um, what does it look like to start integrating? Oh, this is this is the hard question, but I'll try to I'll try to address as best I can. But for me, I didn't. So we talked about my experience with wake up with having my breakdown and having my spiritual breakthrough. But what we didn't get into was I didn't understand this third step, which is not really talked about, is integrating that into my day to day life. So it's kind of like when I was saying earlier, I don't. Me and my wife don't sit around and talk about spirituality. That's just something we try to integrate in who we are. I don't need to name check it like a Kid Rock album. It's like, yeah, it's a part of who I am. But what I found is if I don't start doing internal work, and we all have demons and things we have to clean up. We all do. Um, that experience could just be an experience that happened that doesn't stick. And so I want these experiences, which were designed to change me, hopefully evolve. Um, evolve me to be part of the everyday. So I find when there's blockages, you know, things unchecked dirt, you know, that you just haven't dealt with, whether it's uh, trauma from being a child or PTSD or heavy, heavy duty grief, that these things have to be worked on. I don't buy the adage, sorry, that time heals all. I, I don't buy that because kind of what you were saying is, well, it goes in the subconscious. I'm not conscious of it, but subconscious this, this grief that I have is driving the whole damn train, and I, I can't have that. And then every, not every, but a lot of your decisions are based upon that grief. I don't want to make decisions out of grief or fear. I, I'm hoping it's all in the flow of love and light and all that fun jazz. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, but, well, I just, I, I'm not some new age guy, obviously, you know, and 
I, I get really sensitive about this stuff. I'm the guy down the street. If you want to drink a beer, I'll talk about this stuff. But I don't want to just talk about this stuff. I want to talk about other stuff. And that's kind of kind of my meter with the spiritual community. Can I get a beer with them? Can I go to a concert with them? Cool. Um, so anyway, integration, that's me showing all of us have it, that we should do internal work to remove these blockages. I don't think just praying does it. Now, I'm not saying anything against JC or Buddha or God. I don't want anyone to get upset. Yes, they help you, but you've got to step into it, man. They're not going to do the whole thing for you. So, um, you know, so I integration don't, means you have to, it's doing the work. You got to do the work. Yeah. yeah. Whatever that is. I mean, it, it could be something going to yoga. Yoga doesn't work for me. So I have to look for other things, but I don't think there are any shortcuts to this stuff. And I don't think you can outthink this stuff. I think that you have to constantly be growing and shifting and let these experiences become part of the everyday, the good experiences rather. You want to clean out the trauma and the, uh, the stuff that's sitting in the subconscious. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It well, I know it does to you. I yeah, mean, I, know. <laughs> I mean, of course it does to you. But <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm articulating in a way that doesn't sound like a madman. <laughs> Not to me because I live and breathe it. But um, but I do. I, 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 I love that idea of the no shortcuts to this stuff. And I think the other part of it is that doing the work, I've thought about this a lot. Like, does it have, it doesn't have to be. The process doesn't have to be miserable. No. Uh, right? You know? No. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Like, here's the thing. When I go to work, it's fun. Like, I've been blessed to do something I, I'm fairly good at and I really enjoy. So I'm not saying chores. I'm saying work. I love to work. Um, and so when I say do the internal work, man, I'm not saying, oh, this is going to suck all summer break and you got to do a bunch of painful stuff. No. I mean, for me. I don't know. I don't want to be 60 and, and, and miserable or yeah. sideways. Like I was an angry guy in my twenties, kind of depressed guy in my thirties. I'm 43 now. I want to keep getting lighter because I don't want to sleep my way through this life. I mean, I want to, I want to have a good time. I'm here to have a good time guys. So yeah. let's make it work. And if <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff I haven't dealt with, it's going to get in the way. So I would rather start getting it out of the way, but no work doesn't have to be this miserable experience by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you make me think of, um, I don't know if you know the author, Donald Miller, who wrote um, a, a lot of different books, but the one in particular was um, A Million Miles in a Thousand Hours. And um, he's a great storyteller. And this book was, they were going to make a documentary or a, a film about his first book, which was about his life. And as the filmmakers came to his house and started writing the film about his life, they realized that it was a little too boring. Um, and so they needed to, to make it more exciting. And so this book is about that process. And so he realized that, um, that you're, life is a story, right? And so if your life would be boring, then it's time to change it. So, so while the filmmakers are a part of, you know, are living with him, he starts doing all these crazy things, right? Saying yes to things. And he climbs Machu Picchu and he rides his bike across the country. And anyway, um, wow. and, and so it's the story. So what he talks about, cause he's all about storytelling is that if he's, you know, he'll say like the universe, God, again, whatever you call it, is um, a great storyteller, right? Like there, it's back to this in every story. You know, I took my kids to Disneyland this year, and I noticed that on every ride, and I noticed this because my three-year-old freaked out on every ride. That there was, even on the you know the little kid rides, in every, because Disney was such a great storyteller. There's always that breakdown 
in every story, right? Like I saw this in, in a Disneyland ride, breakdown, breakthrough, integration. And that, um, so in our lives, if you are able to look at it as a story and as a story unfolds, there are these crappy things that happen or maybe not crappy things. Um, and, and if you look at it that way and, and are able to stand back and observe it, it's actually pretty cool to watch. Absolutely. That's, I've never thought of that with the, uh, well, I guess the Disney thing makes total sense. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it till, trust me, when you're there with the three-year-old who's screaming her head off <laughs> and clinging onto you, like, wow, I, you know, cause I didn't think this was scary, but now I'm seeing this is. Um, that, that's wonderful. And I love, I mean, I strongly believe that story can be used as a means to hopefully bring about change. And, uh, you're right. If you can get an observer mode, which I can do sometimes and just look at it as a story and not take every damn thing that happens so incredibly personally, that can be helpful in shifting the energy too. Because then you go, wait a minute, this had nothing to do with me. <laughs> I mean, it's yes. just like all this anger you had at your mom or your dad or the uncle, this had not a damn thing to do with me. If you get an observer mode, you can help to shift that. And some people think or feel like once you have the awareness, it, it magically goes away. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. And I don't mean magically, flippantly, but um, just having that awareness, I, I know for a fact, does shift things. But yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And I know, I mean, story is so important to you and and, and that's what you continue to bring out to everybody um, in, in the work that you're doing. Now, are you able to tell us um, I know you're working on something new. I think it's top secret. Or what can you tell us of what what to expect next out of you? Well, um, I'm working on a film, and I'm hoping to do more work in at least in a similar vein. Because what's happened is I really do feel like a cheerleader for humanity. I look terrible with pom poms, uh, <laughs> but I I enjoy the work we did within Deep Shift, and I want to hear more stories. I mean, there's because, and these aren't stock answers, I'm terrible with small talk, but these nine stories I heard within Deep Shift really uh, helped change my life. Um, it really gave me a lot of perspective. And really the big takeaway for me was just to have gratitude, man. I mean, gratitude. Every, you know, you, you have no idea where this is going to go. So um, I'm sure I will still stay in the documentary space for a little bit. Um, and I definitely want to hear more stories of transformation. But um, I'm also working on a, a feature film, which I think will be able to do something very similar. So I'm, I'm feel very blessed. That's awesome. And if people want to see more of in deep shift, um, how can we let, uh, the Oprah network know? I think you should go on Twitter and just bug them, you know, just, uh, just write miss, uh, miss Oprah Winfrey, write the own network, <laughs> you know, just, just, just <laughs> pop a note. Over yeah. Oprah. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Well, you, you can reach them on Twitter. I'm sure I'm going to have a conference call on Monday. It's like, Jonas, we didn't appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> you can edit this part out, right, Susanna? Yeah, I can. No, but anyway, I, I love the work that they're doing over there. And I know the new season of Super Soul starting and just feel very uh, blessed to be part of that. Awesome. And where can people, where's the best pace, place for people to find you online? Um, you can find me on Facebook, Jonas Elrod. You can find me on Twitter. Um, I started Instagram, but I'm terrible at that, but, uh, you can find me there. And, uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a joke. I got nothing. <laughs> That's okay. You gave a lot in this interview. Sorry, no nothing. need, no need. Well, thank you again for your time today. It truly has been an honor to sit and chat with you and to watch your work. And I have deep gratitude for all that you're doing and putting out into the world. As, as I said, from a, on a personal note, um, I still remember where I was 
and that moment when I watched uh, Wake Up and how it impacted me. Um, so I have very deep gratitude to you for being vulnerable and, and putting your work into the world. I greatly appreciate it. And I, normally I ask all the questions, so I'm sometimes funny <laughs> with the interview. Do you have time for me to ask you a question or two? You do. Go ahead. How, how did you get into this? <laughs> well, like I said, your film was one of one of the ways that I got into it. But I, um, how did I get into it? I just, I've had this curiosity about the world we can't see. And I find myself, I'm a an avid reader. Um, and so I read books about, you know, quantum physics and all these really weird things. And I have nobody to talk to about it. And so I thought, okay, because I would sit there and I would turn to my husband and say, well, this book holds the meaning of life. And he's, you know, looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, and he's like, Oh, I understand. Yes, you know. Um, and so I'm trying to find some way that to make sense of what I'm thinking when I'm discovering, but I, it's, you know, but the, the, it's not coming back at me. And so I realized, well, why don't I just, you know, start reaching out to these people because I, there has to be some other people like me who are also curious. And so, and so I started this podcast. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And it sounds like you're meeting a lot of great people. I am. I mean, and, and from so many different, like I said, you know, there's one cognitive scientist which, who explores um, if we see reality as it really is, which it ends up we don't. Um, fascinating to find out what happens in the brain, um, that, it, that our, our brain literally tricks us into seeing. So for, like he used the example of a bee and a flower. So we see a pink flower, but the way the bee sees it through its ultraviolet um, light, that's how they see it. And so it's a bullseye they see a bullseye on a flower. And really? so what is real, right? Is it the pink flower or is it a bullseye? Because they're another species, we're a different species, but is one more real than the other? And yeah. so what he talks about is everything we see literally is for our survival. Um, and so you can't trust what you think that you, what you think reality is, because it's not. <laughs> um, so, I agree. That's yeah. another question though. Like what is reality? If a bee sees it this way, is it anymore and it's completely different what we see which one is real it makes you think that maybe truth is a constant moving target yes exactly exactly <laughs> and then it makes you and then on a sort of on a meta level it makes you question all assumptions you know you assume even on a base level like i assume this person is this way or whatever or i assume this is going to happen or anything you have to question all assumptions right you know, um, so yes, well, that's a of worms. yeah, so he's really amazing. Uh, Rob Bell, who you probably know from, um, oh, yeah, Rob's great, he's awesome, he's awesome. Um, so I had him on, um, and a bunch of other, yeah, so people who have had just you know, who 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 live and breathe this stuff, and so it's been, um, you know, I get giddy doing it. It's great. Well, I don't know about you, and it sounds like. I was just happy that other people were interested. Yes. Just happy. And yes. like to me, it's such a ridiculous notion of like, why wouldn't you be interested? What the hell is going on down totally. here? Totally. Well, Jonas, I'll tell you, I've talked to people, you know, at cocktail parties or whatever, just I'm sort of out and I talk about this. And I have had people say, who cares? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know how to answer that question. Like, I'm just, how could you not care? I and mean, are, are they getting smaller because they're walking backwards while making eye contact? <laughs> Exactly yeah. it. I mean, I literally have people say that to me all the all the time. Like, you know, when I say we don't know what consciousness is, you know, Harvard, MIT, everywhere is trying to figure out what consciousness. They have no clue. 
They don't know what it is. And when I talk about that to some people who don't care, they're like, why does it matter if we know what it is or not? Like, how can it not matter? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. No, I, I've definitely figured out who to talk to and who not to talk to. And now, so I'm kind of out of the closet. It's just people call if they're interested. If not, you know, we just keep it moving. But, you know, what's the adage? Like everyone's looking for answers in a foxhole, you know? Mm, yeah. And I, you know, dude, I don't want to be on the way to Applebee's getting a 42 car pile up to start asking these questions. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> we have plenty of time. Let's let's just make the most of this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thank you again. And um, can't wait to see what you put out next. Thank you so much for having me, Vic. I'm really excited to listen to your podcast, and uh, I'm really happy with what you're doing. Me too. Thank you, Jonas. All right. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did, and I would love to continue the conversation with each of you over at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash cosmos in you, or our Twitter page. The Twitter handle also is cosmos in you. And of course, at our website, cosmosinyou.com. Again, thank you so much for listening in. I'm so grateful to each of you to be able to share this shared passion and look forward to seeing you next time.